Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, your home for Hot Mike Central. How about it, man? Smiling, happy. A announcement awaits. Return to play feels like it's going to happen. At least the opportunity to move forward. Time to reflect on that. A long, hard road. And I am setting myself up to be Charlie Brown and Lucy, i.e. the Big Ten, is still holding the football. I know. Hay is not in the bar. The chickens have not been hatched. But, man, uh, thanks, Teddy. Uh, we going to play Carter. This is nice. This is good. And uh, a tip of the cap to the folks over the weekend that were part of the return to play committee uh, that had the medical guts and data and testing to present this to the Council of Presidents and Chancellors and Barry Alvarez and uh, all the folks that would not take no for an answer. We're loaded up today. Want to hear from you and uh, your level of optimism moving forward. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Damon Barr is in. He's brought in two bottles of rum today in celebration. Uh, I believe they're both Captain Morgan. And email Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com. Mitch Sherman is 15 minutes away from the athletic. We'll talk to Mitch, get his take on the uh, the leak. We'll talk to uh, Tom Deanhart. Tom, a longtime veteran in the Big Ten. Blackandgold.com is where Tom hails from, and he's been with the BTN for uh, a long time. And then we'll talk to the good doctor and tremendous offensive lineman, uh, Rob Zadiska, going to be with us in the five o'clock hour. So a couple of segments here, this uh, first hour of open phones, last half of hour number two. Damon, who do we got up? We got Darren on the line. Darren, jump on in. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, We're smiling. We are happy. Uh, We've been holding our breath for this, man. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to say how perfect of an opportunity it was for... President Carter to just miraculously um, have say something that he shouldn't have right before the Big Ten was about to make a grand statement. Uh, how perfect for Nebraska. 
It is apropos, isn't it? It's it's a it's a bad movie, and I've been trying to rack my brain of bad movies with good endings. And I've come up with movies I like that have great endings, but I haven't liked this movie at all because it's been wishy-washy. It's been back and forth. You've got your hopes up. You've felt defeated. You're not sure where it's going to go. You've been in limbo. And you've had inconsistency. You've had awful communication. The communication like this has been like my 13-year-old. Nobody but him knows what the hell's going on. What are you doing? Where are you going? Who are you spending time with? Oh, I, I thought I told you. No, you didn't tell us. And that's that's the name of the game with the Big Ten. And and we're talking, you know, almost a month to the to the day of the eleven to three uh, vote non vote. And um, there's so many factors that went into this, Darren. But uh, you can feel good that listen, nothing's guaranteed in 2020. At least we feel right now that you're going to get an opportunity to play if you're Nebraska, if you're Ohio State, if you're Iowa, if you're the Big Ten. And we'll see how uh, projections look. We'll get into some scheduling thoughts a little bit later. But uh, good on you, man. You're a Nebraska fan and you're ready to go, I take it. I am ready to go, and let's just hope they don't punish us with uh, Ohio State followed by Wisconsin. We're, we're going to get into the punish. We're going to get into the punishment phase here in about thirty minutes. Uh, we'll you, see guys. where that is. Darren, take care. Four six six three seven seven six eight. I don't care. Hand out some punishment. Just the way I'm going to look at this football season. I'm going to go old school Tony Soprano here after his uh, his uh, his coma. Every day's a gift. That lasted about two episodes before he put a hit out on somebody. But in all honesty, no, that, that's how I'm treating 2020. It's a screwed up, messed up deal. And there was a, a real thought that you weren't going to get anything. You're going to have to wait till freaking spring, maybe. Idiotic. Maybe January. Stupid. Let's find a way to get October 17th done. And uh, thanks to medical advancements, you have the rapid testing, but you also have this. And and don't kid yourself here. The Big Ten's been watching people play football since August 11th. And they finally said, "Uh, uh, oops. Parents, coaches, lobbying efforts, lawsuits, Coach Day. Coach Franklin, kicked off, by the way, by Scott Frost not wanting to take no for an answer. Bill Moose not wanting to take no for an answer. Ronnie Green saying we're not taking no for an answer. President Carter uh, saying what, what he said uh, before the unveiling of a, uh, a, a multi-million dollar uh, research deal. With the National Strategic Institute, five years, ninety-two million. That's a nice commission day. But here is the uh, the hot mic leaked audio, and this is priceless on Twitter. Right after uh, Teddy, we gonna play Carter got caught. He was kind of scrolling through his phone when there was another speaker up at the podium. And it's it's that oh no moment of email or I kind of blacked out at a party last night. What the hell did I do? I didn't wake up with any pants on. You had that that look <laughs> on his face, but you couldn't quite fully see it because of the mask. 
But here's Ted Carter going, oops, gotcha. I purposefully botched that audio because clearly it's a surreal moment. Uh, there could be closure. 466-377-6800-825-5865. How are you going to treat this season? As a gift? Or are you, are you, are you still just nervous? A lot of you grew up watching Nebraska-Oklahoma. Many of you suffered with Sooner Magic. You thought you had it won until Elvis Peacock showed up. There was some last-minute fiasco. I, I, am, I, am, I am beyond the last-minute fiasco. So after the, the, the hot mic moment with Teddy, we going to play Carter, he was asked about his statements by KLKN TV here in Lincoln. And, and he pretty much said, oh, they were out of context. He should have grabbed his phone and played this. Can you think of a better place to be than Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska? Would you like to clarify your comments? Now, this is college football. Sir, would you like to clarify your your comments? No, but Keith Jackson has something to say. God rest his soul. Lot to get into. Tom Deanhart's on the way. Mitch Sherman will, will dive into Damon, you got to be smiling. I don't know how many uh, students they're going to let in based on your guys' social distancing uh, prowess. But you're, you're grinning a little bit. I mean, this is the best news I've heard all week. And I, and I know there's still, there's still time for the Big Ten to, to take it away from us <laughs> once more. But th- this time, it's coming from the president of the university. I think this one's going to be for real this This one's time. pretty solid. Well, God love you, Ted Carter. And Nebraska has a history of hot mics. Uh, Ranger Rick emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. The Big Ten can kiss my... Thank you for that, Ranger Rick. Uh, There are lots of sediments similar to that. Uh, From a scheduling standpoint, listen, I don't care. I I really don't care what the schedule looks like just get me eight games in a nine-week period and for lack of a better tomb lock your team down here's what i do feel and we'll talk some offensive line because we can now get into preseason game mode you know teams that can run the football are going to be all right in 2020 teams that have trouble stopping the run may not be great in 2020. And, and listen, there's a lot of unknown about, you know, how, how's Nebraska's front seven going to be. But, man, we get to talk about the front seven. We get to talk about Greg Austin's five beasts up front. And we get to talk about Adrian and Wandale and Omar Manning and, and a lot of things now that they're – as we await official announcement. And, you know, the next question is, Schmidt, what are they announcing? I don't have any clue how the Big Ten's going to roll this out. If they are smart, they will release a statement. 
and they keep commissioner off camera, period. And it'd be cool to see another hour-long Big Ten special at 6 o'clock Central with our man Pizzo and Uncle Jerry. I don't know that that'll happen. I would assume you'd use your network to come forward. In, in all honesty, as a guy who's covered Nebraska for a long time and as a, you know, a, a proud graduate of Nebraska back in my fan days, I can, I can get over relatively quickly, and maybe many of you can't, and I, I get that. I can get over this, this botched job and just move on to the now of getting a football season. I'm good with that. I'm good with Ohio State getting a chance to compete for a title. And I'm good with Nebraska, whatever their record is. You don't want an offer. You don't want a three-win season. There's high standards in this state. And we all, I think, get it's a work in progress. But man, they get a chance to go do it. After having that taken out of their hands by other people and by other folks that don't know if a football is blown up or stuffed, honestly, that's the hardest part of this. And you had more information on on myocarditis presented. That warning and concern has dialed down a bit but you had rapid testing development. You've got deals made. You have the ability to make sure you have contact tracing here and now before kickoff, after kickoff. And you've had a lot of people put a lot of work in and say, hmm, okay, we're good to go. We've, we've done our part. And the programs that wanted to play, it will show. It will absolutely show what programs wanted to play because they've stayed after it. They've stayed at it. There's been some pauses, I get, and I know there's been some hiatuses. Is hiatuses plural? There's been some hiatus taken by some programs. But you you got the polls that are closed, the votes are in, and you're going to get a return to football, and that is fantastic. I want your reaction uh, are you ready to go? Do you believe it? Or is it a, a situation where you'll believe it when you do see it finally in black and white with a press release or on Twitter? 466 377 7676 We'll dive into, you know, what changed and clearly the medical advancements and evaluations have changed, but don't discount the pressure. I think the, the final nail, the final hammer has been the fact that the Big Ten realized they jumped the gun and they can't watch while everybody else is playing. And if you want me to circle one school that really, I think, as some of the... Um, presidents and chancellors were watching actually i'm going to say two schools uh academically the acc's held in pretty high esteem they managed a a a weekend of play you got north carolina and notre dame that have fought forward and they're 
pretty high level academic institutions and they've played football and they are both one and oh and they did it safely they did it successfully that mean the season's guaranteed absolutely not but you get a chance at doing it so we'll uh, get into uh, what the schedule could look like and uh, when this announcement could come down tonight yeah but when is tonight is that six o'clock is that five o'clock is that seven o'clock is that a press release is that btn that has a special is it a sit down on sports center whatever you do keep commissioner warn the hell away from a camera or a live mic just just send out now there has been some question regarding uh, testimony during a senate hearing with rebecca blank she's a bit evasive under oath today Maybe she didn't know or didn't want to spill the beans. So we'll dive in. Mitch Sherman's on the way. Great to be with you. Football is on its way back. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We're efforting Mitch Sherman. Tom Deanhart's coming up, and uh, the good doctor, Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline. And uh, we are all in on a return to football. Excited about that. Just need the official announcement for it. And uh, we welcome in with the athletic. We say hi to Mitch Sherman at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your day? Uh, my day's going all right, Chris. How about you? I'm a happy man, uh, assuming I don't get my heart broken here. Let me ask you this. Do you have any idea when this thing's supposed to be announced? I don't know if it's actually supposed to be announced or if it's just if we're, we're still in the hope mode. Um, having said that, if it's going to happen, um, a good idea might be to uh, pay attention around 8 or 9. Uh, I guess that would be central time. Mm-hmm. So... Eight o'clock. I'll definitely have my antenna up. Could come earlier. Never know. Might be, uh, might be later. But uh, I think that eight o'clock hour is going to be an interesting, uh, interesting time to be paying attention. Okay. Thank you for the the hint there. Are we just talking press release, or do we get a full uh, hour sit down with the commish? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think they're going to quite go the route that they did the last time, where it's TV special. Um, you know, at some point in the in down the road, if this thing goes as we're projecting. And there is going to be uh, football to be played in mid-October. Then, yeah, I think we'll get to that stage where there's lots of stuff to be covered, and part of that will be a sit down with the commissioner. I, I think right now the important thing is to get the information out, and I don't know that they want to do it with all too many, all that many thrills. I think we'll have a press conference mm-hmm. again if this is today or if it's <laughs> whatever the near future. Uh, I think we'll have a press conference with some of the important people. I think you can expect athletic directors from from Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, there's so many committees within the, the Big Ten's uh, return to competition uh, task force um, that I, I get confused at times when I'm not looking at the paperwork as to who sits on what committee. But I can recall that Sandy Barber, the Penn State AD, and Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin AD, are both on the, uh, the subcommittee. There's too many. There's too many committees and subcommittees, Chris. But I know they're both they're both on that group uh, that that is is likely set to address the the media and the public 
first when uh, when and if this thing is announced tonight. Mitch Sherman's with us, The Athletic, Hale Varsity Radio, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. And it was really Barry and Sandy, and then you had the, the head medical person mm-hmm. for Ohio State. They started mm-hmm. things off on Saturday uh, with the information and the developments that, that, have, that have happened across the country. And I think it started at, at Illinois uh, with with rapid testing for students, and and then you can get mm-hmm. rapid testing for, for for your student athletes, and then you go from the the rapid testing and, and the medical benchmarks you got to reach, then you then you mosey on over to the uh, the scheduling committee, right? Let's find a way to get eight games right in right. in nine weeks, and then you jump over to okay, someone's got to got to start uh, writing checks, and, and then there's the TV committee, right? I mean, those are those three things that had to get knocked out and either approved by, was it eight or six, and then brought to the other total of 14. I mean, that was a process, right? Right. right. It was Saturday you had the steering committee, and that was eight, and, and Ronnie Green, the Nebraska chancellor, was on that committee, um, along, interestingly, with the presidents from Iowa and Ohio State, uh, all three of whom initially approved this thing back in back in August. So you know you have them when you're starting to count votes, uh, and you need to get to nine to get that super majority, that plus sixty percent plus. Um, so all three of them were on the steering committee, which was which was important, um, I think, to move this thing forward. And then you had five who voted no, and uh, you know they 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 felt good about it, uh, good enough to move it on to the entire group of fourteen presidents. And uh, that happened on Sunday. And that's, I think, when you added in the presentations from the television. Um, on, on Saturday, it was primarily the medical. Uh, let's get past the medical, see if the steering committee approves that. And then w- when you get to the next step and you bring in the other six presidents to get to 14, um, it becomes uh, an issue of starting to talk about TV and starting to talk about, uh, you know, getting some of the dollars back into it. And that's where we're – well, I think we're past that point now. I think <laughs> I think I can confidently say that we've reached a point where – uh, those 14 presidents have probably spoken their spoken their uh, opinions on this, whether it was a formal vote or just an agreement to say, all right, we're in, in, in we're unanimous on this. I don't think the Big Ten wants to find itself in a situation, you know, whether it's now or a few weeks from now, when some public information comes out through records requests or through a you know a court order um, to uh, to to appear to have been divided. Um, they they, uh, they want to be unified on this. That was important uh, in August. It didn't work out. Uh, and I think it's more important now. So uh, you, you will hear, I believe, when the Big Ten speaks, uh, a message of unity and say all 14 schools want to do it this way. It doesn't necessarily mean that all 14 schools are going to play football in October and November, but I think all 14 of them are going to be on board in moving forward in the, with, with whatever direction the Big Ten decides to go. Okay, i got to follow up with what you just said. It doesn't mean all 14 will play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the impression... I got yesterday on social media, and this is Wisconsin's Chancellor Blank. Go through this with me. Was it a situation where all 14 have to play, or you just need the 60% IE? Hey, we all think we should return to play and give it a shot. Do you, back to last week, we were talking opting in, opting out. Do you still expect that as a, as a possibility? Some schools opting out. I could see it happening, and you know I could see it happening in one of two ways: where a school decides right now, today, here in mid-September, that we're going to opt out. Let's just say it's Rutgers, uh, because we heard strong comments from the Rutgers president last week 
saying that he felt good about the decision that was made in August, still felt good about it, and uh, you know didn't really sound like he wanted to put Rutgers in a position to play. Now, maybe that's changed after uh, Saturday and Sunday and the ongoing conversations. Maybe that's different uh, than, than the way that he felt a week ago when he talked to um, the media out in New Jersey. But if it's not, and Rutgers isn't going to play, you know, that needs to be said right now. That needs to be decided um, as soon as possible because you don't want to include them on the schedule, obviously, if they're not going to play. You could have another situation where, let's say it's Michigan State. They decide, hey, we're good to go. And then in early October, there's an outbreak on their campus, and they're in a, and they're in a spot mm-hmm. like some teams that we've seen around the country here in September who have games scheduled, and they can't do it. So they've got to then uh, opt out or cancel games. Um, the better scenario, of course, is to have teams uh, do it now so that you can make a schedule and you can start to move forward uh, without those, those programs on, on the, the master schedule. If you have to adjust later on because uh, there is a, um, there's a, 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 a testing situation, you know, there's too many positives within the roster for a team to play and you need to adjust, then, okay, go ahead and, and adjust. But um, it would be better right now to, to know that when you make the schedule. I think that'll be an option. I don't think they're going to make programs play if they, uh, if they don't feel comfortable here in mid-September. I, and, and I think it's a real possibility that you, you'll see a couple of teams opt out at the beginning. Mitch Sherman's with us, The Athletic, Kale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman is where you find him on Twitter. So I, I don't think you're off if we're, if we're just speculating and, and looking at some regions that have had COVID issues or their, their president and chancellors aren't standing in the way now about return to play, but they're not going to step forward and jump in that deep end of the pool and say, yeah, we, we got to play. So are, are we going to possibly look at just a eight-game schedule, nine weeks to play, and you may or may not have a crossover game? You could be down to 10 of the 14 teams. I mean, is is that the math we're looking at here? 10 would be about as – I mean, you could do it with – you could do an, an eight-game schedule with as few as nine teams. Um, that's not ideal. I mean, that would be a true round robin. Yeah. I guess it would work. I, I, I don't – the Big Ten wants as many of its teams to play sure. as, as can possibly play. So if they can get to 14, great. If it's 12, all right. If it's 10, that's that's not as good. But uh, they, they obviously want to have a have a, a full uh, a full schedule at the beginning, if um, if if possible. Um, yeah, I mean you have you have six division games, and you'd have two crossovers in an eight game scenario. So, uh, of course, if, <laughs> if teams are opting out, then somebody's not going to have one division is not going to have six six division games. Right. It's it's it, it gets tricky. Um, let's say two teams from the West opt out and you're Nebraska, well, then there's only four division opponents to play. So you're going to be playing four crossover games. It's, um, you know, I, there, there's, it's, you get into a lot of hypotheticals mm-hmm. and it, it gets difficult to, uh, to analyze and assess how the schedule is going to look until at the very minimum, you know which programs you're playing. Mitch, uh, let's focus on Nebraska and Nebraska's been working out. They've been practicing. They've been using their allotted time per week. They've stayed ready. Uh, if you look around the league, aside from Ohio State, and, and I assume Michigan's been working at it as well. I know Penn State's been paused. What's Nebraska's position going into this thing 
with a three-week ramp-up for this October 17th perceived start. How, how ready do you think Nebraska can be? As ready as any team in the West. Um, and I would go as far as to say even as ready as any team in, in the Big Ten. I think Nebraska was in a better spot. I think every team in the Big Ten was in a better spot at the beginning of August when they started camp. Nebraska had real momentum, I think, from navigating things well through June and July. Um, there, there was, a, there was a, a palpable sense of momentum in Lincoln when camp opened, and, and you, could, you could hear it in the voices of the players who spoke on August 10th, the day before the announcement, when Scott Frost uh, also made his, um, made his comments about the importance of, of moving forward with football. Um, and I would say it's only natural that they've lost some of that momentum or, the momentum or that they did lose some of that momentum through August and then have attempted to regain it here in September. Now, there, there, you'll notice there haven't been a lot of reports um, out, of, out of the practices that Nebraska's had this month. There have not been interviews. There have not been players talking. Nebraska hasn't done its normal post-practice um, debriefings. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's obviously by, because there's nothing, you don't know what you're pointing toward. There's not a game on the schedule. Even in the spring, when you have practices, you know when your next game is. And they've been in a situation for the last two to three weeks while practicing to, to not know what they're practicing for. Um, so I think with that is going to come a bit of a, of, of a slowdown in the momentum that you have. Now, it'll be interesting to hear, um, if we get to this point, from Scott Frost and the players about what these practices have been like for the last couple of weeks. And I think they'll ramp up in intensity immediately when and if there is a, a game scheduled on the, on the third week in September and that Nebraska would then be able to put on the pads and really get into a preseason camp type of situation. So, um, I, you know, I would, I would be hesitant to say exactly where I think Nebraska stacks up in the league or in the Big Ten West until you start to see some reports about where they're at after a few days of a real preseason camp environment. Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. Mitch, uh, we'll be uh, watching you on Twitter and, and of course, uh, reading you. Thanks for the update. Thanks for the time today. Okay, thanks, Chris. Hopefully the next time we talk, we can talk about uh, – a first opponent, and uh, how the season's going to look. Let's do that. That'd be great. Mitch, you take care. Thanks, Chris. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, we have uh, 20 minutes away. Tom Deanhard, blackandgold.com, a uh, long-time Big Ten insider Tom Dean Hart going to be with us also. Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline, the Doc Talk podcast, and he is uh, no doubt thrilled about the potential news. Mitch Sherman was just with us from The Athletic. His radar will be up around 8 o'clock for an announcement. If that happens tonight, we feel pretty good, thanks to uh, Ted Carter's slip-up. And here we are. Potential return to play. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. You ready to go and move forward with a season? Or are you worried about a last-minute fiasco? 
with the Big Ten. A reminder to buckle up, and that's the operative word for 2020. Nearly 70% of all people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll get to more of your calls. And your chance to sound off, 800-825-5865-466-3776. Our old buddy Vic in Colorado chimes in. As a super homer fan, I feel like this crazy year layout could potentially work in NU's favor, especially if we get a front-loaded schedule. If anyone could keep players motivated, uh, it's Coach Frost. And then we have to start in three weeks. Frost has my vote for high team performance and being ready early in the year. Maybe this is uh, this will fill my prediction as for a, a three-year return to the Big Ten Championship. Did someone eject? That's sad. Uh, wide open at 800-825-5865-466-3776. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting to, to get in on this. And you've wanted some good news, some positive news. And uh, it, it looks like we finally have it. Let's talk scheduling here. And our old buddy Dan Corey from 1011 put out maybe the most accurate projection I have seen in a long, long time with Nebraska and what their 2020 schedule could look like. You start out at Ohio State, then you go to Wisconsin, uh, the 05 Longhorns pay a visit out of conference just specifically and specially for Nebraska. You're off week, you scrimmage Clemson, you're at Penn State, the 85 Bears, when you, you, you took on a fridge at nose guard that could still see his feet. You're at Iowa. You're at Michigan. You end with Zeke in 2014, Ohio State in 12-gauge. I added insult to this injury of a murderous 2020 schedule. Why not just put the dudes back to work that refed the 2011 Nebraska-Texas A&M game? That 9-6 to Butte where it was Captain Ho's job. 13 penalties, late hits, a finger in the chest, a happy birthday, T-Magic, Rex and the Wildcat, someone's got a camera, and then an assistant related to the head coach disappears from view, and all of a sudden the camera goes, goodbye. (laughs) What a night that was, man. God, that hurt. That hurt. Listen. The, the schedule couldn't have been worse than, than what you got in. I mean, this year's schedule was supposed to be rough, right? I mean, this schedule, this year's schedule was, was, was rough. Uh, 2017 schedule was pretty much murder as well. And these schedules have all blurred together. Quite honestly, some have been more doable, some not as doable. But, you know, at the grand scheme of things, if, if you're Nebraska, you want the opportunity to to show improvement. Uh, 
and you've got a veteran quarterback. Uh, you've got a guy pushing a veteran quarterback. You've got an offensive line. You have some depth. And, and let's not kid ourselves. I, I know the defensive line's an unknown, but you've got some some options. Plus, you got some young kids that I think you can use and use well on offense. Uh, Fleming, Alante Brown, Morrison. You got some Juco kids in, in Nico Cooper and Jordan Riley that it sounds like. Had pretty good work going on until things got stopped. And you got Omar Manning. And you got Wandale Robinson. And you got you got Mills to run that football. So you've upgraded in talent and options at wide receiver. You've got dudes that can start. What you don't have, and we'll talk with Rob Zadiska about this, is, all right, how are things going to work on the right side of the line? And I have no doubt Farniak can play well at guard. And I have no doubt that Ben Hart's going to be a really good ball player. But it is, you know, wh- where can he go and how, how, how good can he be quickly? It's not fair to ask. I know he's got a cup of coffee and a red shirt under his belt, but let's be straight. I mean, Nebraska and a lot of programs did not get that spring development phase. So Coach McBride was talking about how it's so key. And not only the spring development, but you stack on what you would have got during fall camp. No one has been able to put on pads for the love of God since Thanksgiving. So Clemson looked pretty good. Notre Dame found a way. But it is going to be meat and potatoes early on for about every college football team not named Bama or Clemson. Oklahoma looked incredible, by the way. Their quarterback's money. I'm taking a bit of that who they played into consideration. But Nebraska has been as focused as any team in the country, and that's their head coach. He has been able to keep them engaged, keep their spirits up in times where it's been tough to be happy. It it really has been, especially if you're a student athlete and you're here and you're wanting to, to go ball. But he's found ways to keep these guys at it. You you never gave up on hope with a chance at least to to getting an opportunity to play football. And all that needs to happen now from the Big Ten is making it official. And we'll never... (laughs) We'll never forget this day where... You're on pins and needles waiting, waiting, waiting for something from the Big Ten because communication's been so awesome. And accidentally, oops. Yeah, we're going to make our announcement tonight. What do you think of that? So we got a five-year, $92 million research deal knocked out. All right, we'll wind down hour one. More of your thoughts and calls. Emails welcome. Chris at AleVarsity.com. Moving forward. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Tom Dean Hart, uh, long time, Big Ten Insider, blackandgold.com. Coming up in 10 minutes, uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline, uh, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, Doc Talk podcast is what he does, and he is smiling today. I'm sure he is. So, uh, when we 
dive into this with Tom in a little bit, Tom Deanhard. You know, Damon, jump in here. If we're going to, like, and there's a horrific meme of uh, American Pie out there that involves Kevin Warren, the Big Ten in Nebraska. We'll just leave that at where it's at. If you were to just divide up pie pieces, what percentage of that glorious apple pie would you give Nebraska? Would you give Ohio State? Would you give science, i.e. rapid testing? Or would you give everyone else's plan? So just public perception and regret. If we're going to go percentages here, who who's responsible for forcing this issue back to the table? I, I think we have a maybe Nebraska and Ohio State. They both get a third of the pie. Okay, I feel like we've really kind of done this work together. And honestly, the the public pressure from the Big Twelve and the ACC pulling it off last weekend, I feel like that was the nail in the coffin. See, when I think of public pressure, yes, you have. Well, the Big 12's playing. That 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 enhanced the outcry of why can't we play if we go back a week? What's what? What am I supposed to tell my kids if I'm Ryan Day? So, I think that's big. But I also think when you, I mean, let's just look at the laundry list here. You've got lawsuits. You've got attorney generals. You have. Uh, a situation where there's a petition by uh, a Heisman front-running quarterback. I mean, you have all of that. You have you have a, a protest in front of the, the the Big Ten office by by parents and their players. You have letters sent forward by so many different players, parents, groups. I mean, man. All of that, and then the, the final push, the velvet-turned-sledgehammer of, of Day and Franklin. But it's okay as a Nebraska fan to pat yourself on the back today when we get an announcement about a return-to-play plan. It's okay to pat yourself on the back for your head coach your athletic director, and your administration. I, I can't say that enough. This is not pandering. This is straight reality because if Nebraska does not have the guts and the ability to be a bit bulletproof with the criticism and not care about it because they believed very steadfast in what was right, they could have just kept quiet. That, that That's not what... Coach Frost players were wanting. That's not what Coach Frost was wanting. And it's them pushing the issue that's that's okay. They called BS on this. And they won. For now. Let's hope. Again, we gotta couch everything because this is the freaking Big Ten. Alright, Tom Dean Hart. Big Ten Insider. Rob Zadiska, next hour, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Uh, coming up, uh, Husker Hall of Famer and uh, medical man, Dr. Rob Zaniska, part of the 94 title team and uh, the national champion. We'll talk to Rob, uh, his thoughts on uh, the news of the day. We welcome in veteran writer and journalist uh, covering the Big Ten, uh, goldenblack.com. We say hi to Tom Deanhart. Tom, it's uh, been a little while. What an adventure it has been since august to now how are you today good chris thank you for having me yeah it's been like a soap opera hadn't it it's been unbelievable you couldn't script this stuff and what's crazy is the story the story's not over yet we all wait with bated breath will there be an announcement tonight who knows and if and when there's announcement what's this season going to look like so yeah just hang on to your hats because this uh story is not over yet you know i was trying to come up with with you know bad movies with great endings and and i'm i'm, I'm drawing a blank but there's a lot of movies that are that are good but they go to great because of uh, of the ending and tom you've been all over this with uh, just your 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 contacts and your sources and just th- this process and you know what's your gut tell you right now as we talk a little bit after five central time here moving forward. What, if you had to, to single out or circle one thing that got this pushed over the so-called goal line for return to play, what would you, what would you circle? What was, if there's, there's, there's many reasons, but what's one thing you think was most important? I think it's this advent of this rapid testing. Um, that's going to be the game changer. Everybody seems to, think uh, really pushed this thing uh, through for the Big Ten to reconsider playing football. Uh, uh, we all know about their concern for the health, safety, and welfare of the players. And this rapid testing, you know, it's cheap, easy to administer, and again, it gives you that rapid that rapid uh, result within, what, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you could test guys, heck, almost daily if you needed to. Uh, so again, that seems like it's the game changer of uh, uh, you know, but again, like you said, Chris, there's been a lot of things maybe that pushed it as well. The, the parent organizations getting involved so vocally, the lawsuits, uh, you know, again, uh, all that noise I'm sure had to have an impact as well. But again, I think that the, the, the advent and acceleration of the ability to test quickly and cheaply it is probably at the forefront of this. Tom Deanart's with us, Sale Varsity Radio, goldenblack.com, longtime Big Ten uh, insider, what's your thought? What's your feel on on Nebraska's role? Uh, not only with Scott Frost's comments back with his uh, his Zoom teleconference that that got criticized by some, but he wasn't willing to take no for an answer. Neither, neither was Nebraska's administration. Uh, what's your response and reaction to Nebraska's part in this push to return to play? I think it's been big. You know, they, they, they were right out of the gate as far as being adamant about wanting answers. 
uh, the lack of transparency in the decision-making process by the Big Ten. Again, um, Nebraska was not going to go quietly, and uh, that's a good thing, you know. Keeps, it keeps the uh, powers that be on their toes. Let's know that, that this isn't going to go quietly. And the night answers were wanted. They were demanded. And, again, we saw some of that stuff slowly get revealed, right, uh, beginning with things like the actual vote of the presidents and chancellors. We found out who said yes, who said no. So um, some of these things wouldn't have happened without that noise from, from Lincoln. So, again, hats off to that crew, you know, Ohio State people as well. And, uh, again, um, it's been crazy to see this much infighting, this much bickering within the conference. But, again, some of it has been merited with the way the conference headquarters has conducted itself with the lack of a plum, a lack of just an ability to, to communicate what they're doing. It's been, it's been unbelievable to think an organization with that much brain power and money could be so ham-handed in the way they, they try to just disseminate information here. Are things going to get soothed in the Big Ten move, as you move forward? And we're not guaranteed a season, Tom, but at least there's a chance yeah. to at least try it, that we feel like, yeah. you know. Um, from a unity standpoint, can the old hatchet be buried here with uh, folks that were resistant, that are, are, have now apparently been swayed to at least give it a green light? I mean, where's the conference go from here? Yeah, I, th- I think time heals, does heal all wounds. Uh, this is a highly volatile situation, a lot of emotion. Um, and, again, I think over time, those things th- things tend to heal for everybody over time. Um, you always remember, you, you never forget, but, again, um, you, you, collectively, I think everybody will move forward. And the conference could have just done itself, you know, to handle the whole process a lot better. Uh I think the fact that they uh, gave up August 11th, they weren't even willing to try to push forward, disappoint a lot of people. And then again, the inability to communicate what led to their decision has caused a lot of angst. But yeah, Chris, I do think time will heal this. There's still some raw nerves, some raw emotions. But if they can pull this off, my friend, get a season going by mid-October, even if it's eight games, Big Ten will be in action the chance to play in the college football playoff, which is huge. Do you think we'll ever get an answer as as to why? I mean, the, the answer's been, well, health and safety, but as far as the the the, the, the urgency to, to be first and, and press pause when other <laughs> leagues are moving forward, a, a theory on, on the why, or have you moved on from that? You know, we probably never will. I think people will speculate and say maybe there's some ego and hubris involved on the Big Ten's front, thinking everybody's going to follow their lead, and it didn't happen other than the Pac-12. Um, there's Again, there's a lot of pride in admitting maybe you, made, maybe you acted hastily. You never want to act like you made a mistake. So, again, you, you cling to your belief. And so, yeah, it's uh, – you know, I don't know if we'll ever really get the real reason why. Again, I know health and safety is the reason. But, again, do you, don't you wonder, Chris, if it's safe enough to open these universities to thousands of kids, if it's safe enough for, 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 for great schools like Notre Dame and Virginia, Texas and Duke and Wake Forest. They're all playing football. So what's the Big Ten, though, that nobody else knows? There's a lot of smart people, Chris, at a lot of these other universities, and they're playing football. But the Big Ten's not. So, again, um, again, I'm all for health and safety, but 
Again, a lot of a lot of great schools that are their peer institutions have said it's okay, but the Big Ten continued to cling to saying it was not, which is very, very frustrating. Tom Deanard's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, goldenblack.com, longtime Big Ten insider. You just nailed it. I think once the Big Ten saw the ACC and Notre Dame pushing forward to play ball, Notre Dame's an elite academic institution, obviously, as is North Carolina, as is Virginia. Yep. I mean, you, you've got some 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 peer groups there, not in the Ivy League, but are, are held on that, that pedestal that are moving forward. I think you hit the brakes and go, uh-oh. But it, was, it, it is hard for anybody to admit they're wrong, let alone an entity yep. that prints money, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like I said, nobody wants to say that and ever admit they made a mistake. You've got to swallow your pride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, there's a lot of ego and a lot of pride at, at, amongst these conferences. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to see these other institutions, like you said, high-minded academic institutions that are every bit as good as these Big Ten schools. Heck, Chris, Notre Dame had fans in the stands yeah. crying out loud. Imagine that. Crazy, huh? And then Army and Navy are playing football. The, the government's own institutions. And, again, on and on, you can go Florida's a great school. Vanderbilt's a great school. The SEC's going to kick off on September 26th. So it's crazy. And there's high school football going on in the state of Indiana, Chris. Every high school is playing. The Indianapolis Colts are playing. Notre Dame's playing, but Indiana and Purdue can't. It's just, but but those schools are quick to take the students' tuition money. Though it's safe for them to come come to their institutions for school, uh, just so they can, can cash those uh, you know those tuition checks and all those residence hall checks too. That's a lot of money, man. That's billions. Uh, that is billions. billions. <laughs> Tom Dean Hart's with us. Tom, what was what's your reaction to, to, to the way this thing ended? I know we've talked soap opera and messy. Uh, messy movie, uh, crazy ending, but what was your immediate reaction when you saw Teddy and his nickname's We Gonna Play, Carter, uh, with, with that, that hot mic earlier? Well, I, I was glad. I was happy for the gaffe, <laughs> I guess. I, I was delighted to see that, uh, and I, I hope he's right. I hope, I hope we get word tonight, if not tonight, tomorrow. I mean, the clock's ticking, Chris. Yeah. We got to get going. I'm not sure what they're waiting on, um, but again, yeah, I was delighted to see that, and sort of confirmed, I think, what a lot of people thought the direction this was going after this last weekend's meetings, that we would indeed get football. And again, then that really cemented the deal when we heard that hot mic today. So I'm eager to see if we can get going by October 17th. I'm eager to see what the schedules look like. And, uh, again, it would put a lot of people at ease to know that it's going to be at least some semblance of Big Ten football in 2020. Tom, I'll let you get out of here. A couple last thoughts. And Tom Deanhart's with us, uh, veteran Big Ten insider, goldenblack.com. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts here, uh, not specific to, to names, obviously, but you, you are locked in with so many Big Ten coaches and, and you've been able to be in communication with them. Can you describe for the audience just the, the frustration? We all assume we, we feel like or know what they've gone through, but we're not in their shoes. In some of your interactions and correspondence, Tom, just uh, paint that picture of, of, of that helplessness that coaches and, and a lot of administration around the Big Ten that wanted to play felt. I think, I think you summed it up well there, uh... And that's exactly how they felt. They felt powerless. That they felt hopeless. Um, 
Chris, they, they wanted to be able to tell their players and the parents of their players what was going on, what was next, and there was nothing they could tell them. And it was very frustrating. And in the meantime, these coaches have to try to keep their players engaged and motivated to practice in some form with no real certainty of there being any imminent season as well. So just the specter of all the unknown that hung over these programs and the unanswered questions, all the, all the whys, the whys, the whys, and again, no answers. Again, that, that was a frustration I heard and, again, and it resonated specifically to Rosemont, Illinois, and the Big Ten headquarters, the, the lack of answers there. Where's Kevin Warren? What's going on? And again, honestly, they, they were a lot like you and I and the listeners. They, they had no idea. They were left in the dark, and they were very frustrated by it and very angered by it. What did you know about Commissioner Warren and the act he has to follow with Jim Delaney? Is It's an impossible act to follow because the guy made $60 million per institution. He uh, saw Penn State and Nebraska join, and then he went and got Rutgers in, in Maryland before cord cutting. And, I mean, he he's... He's OG, man, to, to go a little slang on you. I mean, he's he's old school, yep. and, and he was great at it. And you may not have liked him, but you respected him, and he made money for everybody. So it's not an easy act. Uh, I have been frustrated by the communication by the commissioner, despite the horrid situation of walking into a pandemic, so I'm sympathetic in that aspect. But what did you think we were getting compared to what we got. I mean, pandemic aside, this communication style has been just brutal, Tom. Yeah, I honestly, Chris, did not know really anything about Kevin Warren. And mostly, basically an NFL guy most of his life, right? Mm-hmm. As far as professional career goes. So I wasn't familiar with him at all. Like you said, a heck of a tough act to follow. Never want to be the guy who follows the legend. <laughs> you want to be the guy... He follows the guy who followed the legend, right? Yeah. And uh, Delaney, like you said, was a titan in the collegiate athletic ranks. You know, you talked about his achievements, Big Ten Network, but also a big achievement for, for Delaney as well. A cash cow for all these leagues. Exorbitant TV contracts with Fox and ESPN and the like. You would have liked to have seen a guy like that steer the Big Ten through this most trying time in its history. It didn't happen. You know, I don't want to put this all at Kevin Warren's feet. I understand the decision's not his. Right. It's the president's and the chancellor's. But, you know, from what we've heard, Chris, about how he communicated with athletic directors, everybody's in a silo. Nobody communicated together. The ADs, the coaches, the presidents are all kept separate. And, again, the way he handled communication among the powers to be uh, does not seem like it was ideal. I mean, it's communication with the public also left a lot wanting. And, Chris, I even heard there were some PR experts hired to help the Big Ten navigate this, and I'm not sure what they're paying that group. But, again, this whole thing in hindsight is going to be a case study for PR majors in the future at universities how not to handle volatile situations, that's for sure. Tom Dino. Tom, about 30 seconds. Uh, assuming we get the good news tonight about return to play, you needed uh, six schools to flip. Who, a couple, three schools, in your opinion, that were the hardest to sway? Uh, well, I think uh, Michigan. You think Michigan, Michigan State. Um, and I, I, you eat the schools out of these Rutgers and Maryland. Um, 
those schools in particular, it seems like they, they, they may not even be that inclined to want to play. Everybody's going to play if we play, but I would think Rutgers, Maryland, and you know Michigan, mm-hmm. maybe Michigan State. I think Indiana, Purdue would flip. Okay. Uh, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota. But again, you're right. It was 11 to 3 before. They need nine votes. And, uh, you know, it sounds like they're going to get there, Chris. We'll see, hopefully, very shortly. Tom, we'll see you, hopefully, uh, in Lincoln or uh, in uh, West Lafayette for a little football this year, buddy. Thanks for the time today. I hope. Take care, Chris. Bye bye. All right. Tom Deanart with us. Uh, great insider, longtime Big Ten man, goldandblack.com. Dr. Rob Zadiska next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Sure to get uh, caught up the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. Full podcast on Hale Varsity or iTunes. Subscribe, give us a rating, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, coming up, we will uh, let you check out Tom Deanhard, Mitch Sherman's info. That'll be on the Twitter feed, ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, Doc Talk, incredible podcast with uh, this Husker standout, legend, and a Hall of Famer. Uh, the pride of Lincoln East is Rob Zadiska. Dr. Rob joins us. Rob, uh, good day today if you're a Nebraska fan. All we need is the, uh, well, the ink to dry and, and send to be pressed on the computer. How are you? I am well. I mean, that's what it sounds like, so I'm pretty optimistic here. Yeah, that's that's the word. Now, Pete Thamel uh, has uh, jumped on Twitter, uh, one of the national writers, and uh, with Pete, he's uh, the Yahoo dude, and says no official word yet about a Big Ten restart has trickled down to Big Ten coaches. Many programs have been proceeding, planning the past few days for October 17th, uh, pending the upcoming vote decision, but... A lot of optimism, a lot of hope. Maybe later this evening around 7.30 or 8, potentially. Uh, that's where we can shoot for. And uh, the old hot mic, uh, only in Nebraska, Rob. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, you, you know what? I, in this day and age, it's one of those things where, one, if I'm in the media, I'm never turning the microphone off to begin with. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you're behind a microphone, man, you better assume that puppy's on and it's recording. So it's just, that's just kind of the – now, I don't say that as a criticism of uh, President Carter, but um, it's just it, – it, it is what it is, and kind of that news slipped out, and I think he was just kind of making small talk conversation. But I, I was going to say, I mean, it, it kind of jumped out there pretty quick, and sounds like it's the real deal. It does, and uh, I want to kind of get your thoughts on uh, a lot of things, but I- I'd love your take on put your medical scrubs back on if you're if you're not out of them yet, Dr. Rob, and <laughs> give me a thought here. Just lay out in uh, Schmidt barely past fourth grade terms uh, just this, this rapid testing. I know the price points money, and I know the – the, um, the, the, the testing has been fairly accurate, but just from your medical background, how it kind of came to be, I know Illinois had it for the students. It's been about a month. And just how, how this process works medically for it to emerge, because this has kind of been the hammer that helped, helped the Big Ten at least get to, to this point for hopefully restarting. 
Well, I think it is. Now, this kind of goes back to when all of this first started, sort of one of the key things in terms of dealing with any kind of infectious disease, pandemic, epidemic on whatever level is being able to test for it. And especially when you've got a a disease like this where you do have those asymptomatic carriers, you've got some people who are truly not going to be affected by this. And in fact, it might actually be the majority of people not affected by this. Now, that doesn't mean people aren't going to be affected by it. And when you get down to kind of looking at some of these issues, we've talked about the myocarditis, Mm -hmm. whether that truly is or isn't going to have an impact on this is going to be hard to tell. But the main thing is, is that if if you've got kind of this point of care testing, and what I mean by that is literally take a test, you've got results in an incredibly timely fashion, that you can take a test, know those results within a matter of minutes. And I've, I'm hearing anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes with these, these rapid testings that they have. The nice thing about it is, is that you can turn around and, and test a huge number of people in a very short amount of time and make a decision in terms of playing a football game, being able to take these guys and say, hey, okay, these three guys tested positive, the other – 80 guys didn't, we're going to head, go ahead and play the football game. Um, and so it gives you that ability to literally kind of pull that trigger on the spot on game day and feel like at least you've got a relatively safe margin of error here to move forward and play football games, knowing that you've got guys that probably are not positive. And so that's, that's something we haven't had here if you think about it in terms of all the other tests, you're looking at maybe 24 hours on the short end, I think, mm-hmm. uh, probably closer to two to three days on average in terms of a lot of the previous uh, testing methods that they had out there. Well, it, that kind of you, you don't have that ability with those longer-term tests where it takes you one, two, three days to get those results back. And so that's why this is a game-changer, not just for football, but in terms of probably ultimately managing the epidemic going forward. Let's talk uh, about management and the on-field. If we move forward, when we move forward for October 17th, pending this announcement we're expecting from the Big Ten, um, let's get into to, to Scott Frost in Nebraska and uh, their, their new uh, their new bro, uh, Ohio State and Iowa, right? So, uh, in your, the yes voters. Right, the, the, the yes men. What, uh, what's your reaction as, as a proud Husker and, and one of the, the best to play? What's your take on, on how Nebraska kind of pushed this thing forward? It's fourth I, and goal, I'm happy right? That, you know, I'm happy that somebody was willing to stand up and basically say, hey, we think a wrong decision was made here. Now, it's Nebraska had to kind of crawl out on a little bit of a limb here because when you look at the other two schools, when you look at Iowa, you look at Ohio State, okay, you know what? They got some ground to stand on. They got a leg to stand on here in terms of directing some criticism back at the conference just by virtue of the fact of the on-field success that they've had. That gives you a little bit of sway. That gives you a little bit of pull and power in terms of being able to do that. Uh, Nebraska, one, they're kind of the new kid on the block. I know they've been in the conference for 10 years, but 
still like moving to a small town in Nebraska. 20 years later, you're still the new kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nebraska's still kind of the new kid, and, and they haven't had that on-field success, at least not in football, uh, in terms of being that team to say, hey, here's what we think ought to be done. I, I mean, football-wise, Nebraska's still kind of sitting at the little kid's table a little bit. And so it, it was a bit of a ballsy move to be able to stand up and make that noise and kind of start pushing the buttons that got the ball rolling here. Absolutely agree with you on that. And then once Nebraska kind of got through the door or played fullback for everybody, you could follow your fullback and your offensive line into the end zone. I mean, without Nebraska piping up, this doesn't move forward. Rob, we'll get that that return to play vote. You had the presentation by the medical committee. You had the presentation with TV and scheduling. So assuming things move forward and and it's a return to play and that's what we're hoping for, do you believe we'll get all 14 teams or are you in the camp where you believe some will opt out? I've had two different thoughts on that. I still think some teams will opt out. They'll say, okay, we're not going to stand in everyone's way uh, opposed to the uh, 11-3 vote a month ago. Go ahead. But I think some teams will opt out. Or do you think the Big Ten will show a step forward unity-wise, and all 14 teams will give it at least a shot. I bet there's teams that opt out. I, You know what? I, When you look across the country, maybe not necessarily as much as Division One, mm-hmm. um, but you look at there, there's a number of other conferences, and I think a lot of it had to do with resources. Even within the Big Ten where you've got all of this revenue sharing, there's still some differences team to team in terms of what kind of revenue they've got, what kind of money those teams make. There's a big difference in terms of those resources between a Nebraska and Ohio State or Rutgers. I, I, I think political differences play in here as well, too. I think when you look at some of the university leaders and how those university leaders interact, the connections and relationships they have, with the individual politics, politicians, government within their individual states. Again, there is a huge difference between a Nebraska and a Maryland and Iowa and a Rutgers in terms of how uh, that university brass thinks from a political standpoint. And I think those factors are going to end up playing in here. And you're going to see some teams that opt out for, for, like I said, there's probably two or three big reasons that are all going to play into that. What about revenue sharing here? Do you pay them? Do you short them? That's a bigger question, assuming we get a full season in. But put your commissioner hat on, take your scrubs off, and uh, how would you handle that, those that opt out? Boy, that's a a tough one to deal with. I think a lot of it maybe comes down to, I, I think, the reasons that are going to get put forth by an individual school for opting out. I think if most of the schools that opt out opt out because they say, hey, we don't have the resources to handle the the testing, the medical care, the follow-up, things of that nature, um, if that's the issue then I think you're going to see they're going to go ahead and do revenue sharing with everybody. I think if the, the main reasons teams opt out, it's one of these, hey, just from a political standpoint, from a decision-making, even if it's just a medical decision-making standpoint, 
we don't think it's the right thing to do, then I think you don't do revenue mm-hmm. sharing. Now, again, this is kind of my opinion sure. in terms of how to deal with this, but um, I, I'm almost one of those if it's a case where a school feels like, hey, this just just doesn't jive with our cultural or political mindset, well, then I don't think you get paid if you're not playing. Rob now, I don't know how many people from a television revenue standpoint are turning in to watch Rutgers and Maryland play anyway. <laughs> so how big a deal is that? People are going to watch Nebraska. People are going to watch Iowa. People are going to watch Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, et cetera. I, I don't know how many people really care about watching the Northwestern. I mean, what's the television share for a Northwestern Rutgers game? It's not very much. And so in terms of what those teams bring from a TV revenue value standpoint in the first place, I don't know if it matters all that much, in which case you could probably say, fine, go ahead, opt out. It doesn't. It, it wouldn't make much of a difference than if you did play from an overall revenue generation standpoint. Rob, I need five more minutes. Can I keep you five minutes? Got to take a quick break. Is that good with you? Absolutely. All right. Dr. Rob Zaniska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of that pipeline. And uh, we are talking Nebraska return to play as we await uh, official word from the Big Ten. And uh, Rob Zaniska, Dr. Rob, back with us on the other side. It's Hale Varsity as we move forward. Uh, Teddy, we going to play Carter. The, uh, the hot mic that kicked off uh, a joyous day, we hope. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Extended sit-down with uh, Husker Hall of Famer and uh, All-American started uh, on those championship teams uh, with uh, Nebraska. So many Big 8 titles and national title in 94, Rob Zaniska. Dr. Rob Zaniska with us. And check his podcast out at Doc Talk. Rob does a great job with Travis Justice. Rob, thanks for for hanging out. You're very kind every time you come on. You are fantastic. I appreciate you. couple of last thoughts. One, do you expect any Big Ten revenge on Nebraska by the league at some point, either scheduling or is that just just because of of, um, maybe some Big 12 memories we may have? (laughs) You know, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, even when Nebraska left the Big 12, I didn't think the schedule was all that bad. I, th- I thought the on-field, I, I swear to God, on-field officiating took a turn for the worst. A&M, Nebraska. brother. That, A&M. Yeah, that, that, that last season, the on-field officiating, maybe it was just because the Big 12 officiating just took a nosedive. But, um, you know, I really don't think so because I think it looks, t- it'd be too obvious. <laughs> Um, now, at the same time, too, I, I don't think anybody's – I know Nebraska was the first one that kind of – I'm not sure raising the red flag's the right for, way to put it, but mm-hmm. it, even though Nebraska was kind of the first university that stood up and basically said, hey, this isn't right, let's, let's kind of revisit this. We think we can play and we think we can do it safely and we think there's a way to do this. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep pushing um, keep in mind, because you had parent groups from Iowa and Wisconsin and Ohio State that made a heck of a lot of noise here. Um, you, you had players, you had coaches from other schools that made a heck of a lot of noise. Now, I know Ohio State and Ryan Day swing a pretty big stick in the conference. Mm-hmm. 
But, man, that was a little bit of a verbal bomb that Ryan Day dropped yeah. uh, this past week. And, and so it's not like Nebraska is this lone lone ranger here that uh, it was the lone voice in all of this. Now, I, I still have a, a little bit of alumni pride in the fact that Nebraska was kind of one of the first schools that really made the news and bore a lot of the national media criticism for the things that they said, but we, but I mean, we are by far in a way not the only one. I, I know, I know the lawsuits kind of primarily came out of Nebraska, um, but again, I think in in most people's common sense mind, I don't think those lawsuits had a whole lot of intent, purpose, or effect other than. To force the to, to force a spotlight to stay on this issue, to keep the media paying attention, to not let the conference on the whole relax. I think that was the ultimate purpose of these lawsuits was to get to where we're at right now. It, it wasn't one of these. Hey, we really seriously think the Big Ten conference violated some number of their own bylaws and Freedom of Information Acts, et cetera. The, the whole intent was to get to this point where, we, where we're going to have an actual decision made and hopefully a little bit of transparency behind that decision as opposed to, hey, we decided there's no football and there really wasn't a vote and we're not going to tell you anything other than that. Rob Zadiska with his Husker standout, part of the pipeline, his uh, podcast, Doc Talk. Last thought, Dr. Rob. Nebraska, their offensive line. I remember talking to you when spring ball started. We were feeling all right about the uh, the potential with with Greg Austin's guys in a three week ramp up in a crazy twenty twenty. Do you give Nebraska an advantage at least on the offensive line moving forward for what could be we hope uh, a full eight or nine game schedule? Uh, where does Nebraska kind of fit in based on what you think of the line? I don't know. That's a great question, and I hate giving you a vague That's answer okay, like man. that. But there were so many unanswered questions due to not having that spring football. And I know they've been doing some types of walkthroughs and practice down in Lincoln. I don't know how much, and I don't know how much they've been able to actually try out uh, that whole idea of moving Farniok to guard, having mm-hmm. Ben Hart at tackle, uh kind of figuring out who that other guard spot's going to be. Is it going to be Hickson? Is it going to be Bo Wilson? Um, is it going to be one of the young guys like Ethan Piper? It's, we were left with so many unanswered questions on that offensive line because of the loss of spring practice. It's going to be hard to say what they do. Now, my, my gut instinct, and a little of this goes back to what Greg Austin said in that they, they've got – you know they they've got all five returning starters coming back. Essentially, you can just move forward with those five guys, and you've got a little bit of a comfort level there. Those guys were playing what I would say would be an okay level of football at the end of last season. I'm not going to call it great, but it was okay. I think with uh, some different lineups, it could be better. Maybe they'll go ahead and just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to go with that revamp lineup going into the season, and we're just going to roll with it and see what happens. But I, I don't know. Until that first game rolls around, it's going to be hard. You're not going to know exactly what we're going to see. 
Well, that that's absolutely fair. Uh, you feel all right based on the starts for for most of the guys. At least they've been in the action, so to speak. And you got uh, a little bit of time for for Ben Hart, although very limited last year. But time will tell. Let's just get to that first game. Dr. Rob Zadiska with us, Sale Varsity, and uh, his podcast Doc Talk. And uh, Rob, uh, appreciate your time, man. And and we'll do this again. And thanks for jumping on today. Absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of the evening. You too. There he is, Dr. Rob Zadiska, standout member of the Pipeline, Oscar football national champion, uh, medical man, and, of course, uh, some thoughts and opinion on Nebraska. So good to hear from him. Tom Deanhart, fantastic uh, to start off Hour 2. Open phones. If you want to jump in, we we got a tight window here till 646-637-7600-825-5865. Uh, get some more of your emails coming up. You can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow, Schmidt underscore radio or uh, Damon Barr. That's two R's with Damon. And uh, Damon has paced himself well. He's a rum connoisseur. He is through one bottle of Morgan, but he's still seeing... Uh, a little bit better than Doc Holliday did. Who do we got? We got Jim on the line. Jim, thanks for calling. Welcome in. Yeah, Schmitty, I tell you what, that that uh, interview that Rob just gave, I I was just amazed. That that guy has got it. He's he's very very intelligent, and uh, you know I think we ought to be running that guy for politics. <laughs> he's uh, he's something. I, I think we ought to run him for commission. I think I think I told him this. Like, you got to be commissioner, man. Be the commish. He, you know, do, being a doctor is fantastic, but uh, he he could make an influence on many, many things. He, that was one of the greatest interviews that I've heard in a long, long time, and I appreciate the questions you gave and, and uh, was very, very impressed. Thanks hey, very much, man. Jim, appreciate you, man. Thanks for, for tuning in. And, yeah, Dr. Rob's so awesome to come on as, as often as we ask him and uh, just a smart dude. And he would fit into the Big Ten because he's got a medical degree. He's super smart. Now, where he wouldn't fit in is he's got common sense. In in at least, if we go by the, the previous vote, 11 instances. There you go. We'll wind down a Tuesday. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, a show you want to download. Uh, today's episode, good stuff from Mitch Sherman, Tom Deanhart, Rob Zadiska, as we await the uh, official Green light and thumbs up. Return to play. We'll see if that 7.30 to 8 windows the uh, the timeline for the Big Ten. Our old buddy and Vic, uh, Vic in Denver again, uh, reminds us that Coloradoans for Nebraska will be pumping up beer sales in Colorado today. So, dare we let our optimism rule the day? And just think this is an ink and instead of pencil. I'm going to say yes. My pilot light was about extinguished last, say, Wednesday. I was, for the first time ever, 
very dejected. My optimism had, had left town like I owed a bookie. And <laughs> it's, it's swung back around. Tomorrow, loaded up, Mike Babcock will help make sense of all of this. Babbers will be with us. Mike Shuart, Shuey to talk some, some golf, another major on the horizon. Shuey loves football and knows football, so we'll get a take from him. Brad Edwards going to be with us. Uh, college football insider with ESPN. As uh, Look, the ACC is going into week two, as is the Big 12. Although the Big 12 may start instead of rapid testing, handing out COVID infected tests so they don't get worked by the Sun Belt this weekend. That's not very nice. So uh, I always ask this on Tuesdays. Damon Barr, faithful producer, extraordinaire at Damon Barr, two R's on Twitter. Is it Tuesday date night with you and uh, and the lovely girlfriend? Yes. Once again, on a Tuesday, we're doing a little takeout tonight, uh, getting some Hopcat. Oh, okay. Yeah. A little burger and they are sponsoring fries. you of course of course you're going to bring that contract in <laughs> sign on the dotted line please do it now <laughs> hey I, I thought of a, a movie with that was bad but had a good ending okay i feel like this whole situation has just been one big saw movie okay it doesn't make yeah, sense the yeah, entire time yeah yeah and then they tell you what happened and you still don't really get it but you're like yeah whatever it, i'm glad it's done with that's that's what this has felt like a a horrible horrible movie we've said soap opera but if we go to the uh the the big screen i mean think of movies that were pretty good that had incredible endings like seven or usual usual suspects one flew over the cuckoo's nest i thought one flew over the cuckoo's nest was great all the way through and then the sixth sense right i mean those are those are like four wow ending movies right Kind of know what's going to happen with Jaws. Jaws will eat and then gets blown up. Uh, you know, the Rockies series where Rocky gets turned into to ground round but finds a way to win, which is not bad. Loaded up tomorrow on Hale Varsity. Back at you at 4. Find us also tomorrow morning. Over on Sister Station KFOR, what's going on around the world of news and politics and, yes, sports. We do that at 6 in the morning. Uh, thanks to Damon Barr. Thanks to Mitch Sherman. Thanks to Dr. Rob Zadiska. Thanks to Tom Deanhart. Chris Schmidt will be back at you tomorrow. Four with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.